Meet Cassandra. She's dealing with brain fog and fatigue. She's tried tons of things, including checking her thyroid, taking B12 and iron, as well as experimenting with her diet, avoiding all types of allergens. Nothing seemed to help. And through her research, she saw that there was a connection between mold and health. She remembered having several large leaks in her home over the years, so she decided to test her home. And lo and behold, the test came back positive. She had mold in the bedroom, the bedroom closet, and in her office, which was set up in the basement. Yikes. She knew that she needed to remediate, but she was so confused about how she can see if her body was actually affected by this mold, and if so, what she could do to rebalance it. That is when she found me. This issue is very multifaceted, and I knew that we had to look into a few different tests so we can assess the damage and put it all together to help her feel better. Every year, thousands of people are told there's no explanation for their health concerns and no way to fix them. They feel frustrated, undermined, and lost. I know because that was me before I figured out the actual causes and reclaimed my health. Now, I help others do the same. I'm Ina Toppler, and this is Health Mystery Solved. We just heard about Cassandra and the mold that she discovered at her home. Joining me on the show today to talk more about Cassandra's case is Dr. Tim Jackson. Dr. Tim was actually on last year when we discussed the mitochondria, and being that he is such a wealth of information, I wanted to have him back to talk more about this. Dr. Tim is a functional endocrinologist, a doctor of physical therapy, and an expert in nutritional biochemistry. Dr. Tim, welcome back. Thank you so much for having me. I enjoyed it last time. So mold is a big issue for so many people, and I'm really excited to get into the details of this with you. But first, why does mold present a health threat? Mold produces mycotoxins, and mycotoxins are what cause the negative health effects. And if you look at the commonalities of the different types of mycotoxins, they all cause a suppression of the immune system. This may mean your natural killer cells or your T cells or your B cells get suppressed and then you can't fight off chronic infections. So that's one way. And a second major way is it decreases blood flow to the brain, specifically to the frontal lobe. So if you actually look at brain scans of people with MS and with mold toxicity, you won't be able to tell the difference. So you have those two reasons. And then a third reason is that it interferes with the NRF2 pathway. And so a lot of our detoxification enzymes and antioxidant enzymes are created in that pathway. And so when mold blocks it, it affects mitochondrial production. Yeah. And that is a pretty important thing. (laughs) We need our mitochondria to do a lot of things for us. And you and I discussed that in detail in the previous episode. So for anyone that missed it, definitely check out the episode that Dr. Tim and I did on the mitochondria. Um, Now, once mold is discovered in the home, does it mean that people are going to necessarily always have issues? You know, I end up working with a lot of families. I usually start out working with one family member and, you know, we test for mold and discover it. 
And then that leads us to, you know, or leads me to working with other family members. So you can have, let's say, a family of four, you know, parents and two kids, and maybe only mom expresses symptoms, or maybe only the little boy. You know, it, it varies depending on our genetics and what's called the total allostatic load, which is just, you know, we can see, you know, stress happening if we're stuck in traffic or we're being chased by a tiger, but physiological stress whether it's from dysbiosis in the gut or chronic infections or blood sugar fluctuations, when you add that total up, that's called the total allostatic load. People who are close to their tipping point, meaning that they go from being asymptomatic to symptomatic, the mold exposure can be the straw that broke the camel's back. But at the end of the day, it's relevant for all family members because a lot of times, you know, when you start digging deeper or I start digging deeper, I'll find out that the other child is maybe having trouble remembering or focusing in school. And I find out that dad hasn't slept more than three hours in the past six months. And a lot of times, you know, people expect the symptoms to be the same in everyone. And, you know, that's just not how the body works. And so at the very least, you know, it's going to hinder peak performance, optimal energy and brain health. But, you know, it can be far more debilitating than that. Yeah. And, you know, that's so helpful for people to know that everyone is going to experience symptoms in their own way. And a lot of times it probably has to do with what they may have maybe certain genetic predispositions to, or maybe organs that are naturally weaker, or maybe other toxins that are kind of combining with the mold and affecting it. You know, and a lot of people think that mold is necessary, you know, a lot of times just a respiratory thing, you know, like allergies. But like you said, it's so much more than that. And I think it's so important that people realize that, you know, like you said, anything from sleep to concentration um, to energy. So then how can people find out if mold is an issue for them. Let's just say that they know that there's mold in the home, or maybe they suspect that they may be exposed. What test can they do to see if it's actually a problem in their body? So uh, there are different urine mycotoxin tests where uh, you provoke the mycotoxins with, say, the use of a far-infrared sauna or glutathione, which helps with detoxification. And that can tell you the level of mycotoxins in someone's body. These are urine tests, correct? Yes. So these are all urine tests that I'm talking about here. And for everyone listening, when Dr. Tim is talking about provocation, it's basically just to make sure that if there's something that's hidden, we help it to come out. So it doesn't create any more mycotoxins. It's just that sometimes they're not always visible. So doing things to sort of stir it up in a way um, with a sauna or glutathione is another very popular thing is the way to go. Now, Dr. Tim, do you find that if someone doesn't do a provoked mycotoxin test, can it still show stuff? What do you notice, uh, which is some of the tests that you do? Yeah, it can definitely still show stuff, but it can also give you a false sense of security. You may think, uh, I can scratch mold off the list. That's not an issue. But, you know, if your detoxification pathways are not optimal and it's not provoked out of the tissues, then uh, the level can seem, you know, low enough that it's, you know, okay or satisfactory. 
but I have seen many people's test results come back who didn't, who forgot to do the provocation and they still came back with elevated mycotoxins. Gotcha. Good to know. So when people are doing the provocation, can you give us a little bit more detail about how to do that? So if someone's doing glutathione, is there a type of glutathione that you prefer, say a liquid or liposomal versus a capsule and about how much? Yeah. So I like liposomal or transdermal glutathione. Liposomal, if someone is uh, extremely toxic, I would say no more than one gram on an empty stomach, uh, about 45 minutes before collection. But other methods of provocation, whether it's, you know, uh, sauna or biomat, etc., that's just basically increasing circulation. And so it's helping your body to excrete the mycotoxins. And in terms of specifically how to do it, basically you're just uh, getting in the sauna at a high temperature. You know, most far infrared saunas go up to about 170 degrees Fahrenheit. And so I would say at least 140 or above for, you know, 20 to 30 minutes. And assuming that you can tolerate that and you don't have a diagnosis like MS where you can't regulate your temperature. Uh, But that's how you would do it with a sauna. With glutathione, uh, you know, the liposomal glutathione on an empty stomach, um, one gram if someone's extremely toxic or up to two grams if they can tolerate it. Uh, The other option, well, there's several other options, but one is the biomat, which is an far infrared mat that also provides heat. And so that will increase uh, lymphatic circulation and uh, normal blood circulation. A colleague of mine actually did a sort of informal study with about six or seven patients, and he tested their levels before they got on the biomat, and then he collected another sample afterwards. And the one where it was after they had been on the biomat, uh, the levels were substantially higher. And, you know, lastly, I'll say that, you know, if you have access to it, or you're going to a clinic already, uh, you can get a glutathione push where it's given, instead of being dripped, you know, slowly through an IV, it's pushed with the syringe and, uh, you know, wait 25 to 30 minutes and then collect your sample. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. And those are usually done in the muscle, right? That actually goes into the vein. So usually the antecubital fossa in the elbow They use a butterfly needle to go in there. The base premise is instead of dripping it, when you push it, you overwhelm the redox status or the balance of um, free radicals to pro-inflammatory molecules to uh, anti-inflammatory molecules. Gotcha. Gotcha. That makes sense. Because I know sometimes people get glutathione shots, you know, and then they can purchase those. But this is a little bit different. This is in the vein, just pushing it. Right. So people do that. And then they can run the mycotoxin test. And there are several companies that do these tests. Do you have any favorites? You know, I used originally when I first started testing for mold, real-time labs, I think, was pretty much the only lab doing it. But now we have Great Plains Lab, um, urine mycotox test. And I like that one. And then I think you and I talked about the Vibrant America test, yeah, which checks for an expanded number of mycotoxins. I haven't had a ton of experience with that one. Uh, I've heard pretty good feedback. 
definitely use the Great Plains urine mycotox test a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've used that one too. The Viber America is pretty new, but from what they're saying, you know, it's supposed to test for more and then it's supposed to be even more sensitive. Um, I haven't had a ton of experience with them because they just came out with it recently, but it'd be very interesting to see and compare as well with that and the other ones. So then once people get the results, there are several mycotoxins that are going to be tested. So can you talk a little bit about which ones are tested and if there are certain ones that are maybe more significant than others, then in terms of ranges, what that all means? Gliotoxins, G-L-I-O toxins, is one that specifically likes to hang out in the brain and the central nervous system. And so when you see that one, granted, um, you know, due to various direct and indirect pathways, Mold can cause, or a lot of types of mold can cause brain fog. But if you have elevated gliotoxins, that's definitely going to cause brain issues, whether it's concentration, memory, you know, short-term, long-term memory, perseveration, behavior changes, and it can actually lead to uh, substance abuse disorders. I've had several patients who, you know, were addicted to various drugs And, you know, they weren't getting blood flow to their brain. So they were just trying to feel normal ultimately. But uh, that just goes to show you, you know, how far reaching the implications are of mycotoxins. Outside of the gliotoxins, we have ochre toxin. And that one is, I see, elevated quite a bit. And it can be carcinogenic, can shut down the kidneys. So that's another organ that's a common target of mold the kidneys. The ochre toxin tends to come from aspergillus, which is a species that you really can't see or smell, and also the penicillium family. You know, you have inhalation from exposure at home or school or work, but there's also certain foods that are higher, like nut butters tend to be higher in mycotoxins. And so, you know, if you're already dealing with a mold toxicity issue, that's something to definitely pay attention to. You know, another mycotoxin that I see that's elevated quite a bit and I hear people talking about a lot is aflatoxin M1. It's created by aspergillus as well. And so aspergillus tends to affect the respiratory tract but it affects many other areas of the body as well. And it can lead to liver damage, abdominal pain, coma, and it's been shown to inhibit certain immune cells called leukocytes. You can also have GI dysfunction. So I wrote an article way back in 2012 on why your gut won't heal Uh, The answer is mold. Basically, when you have different types of mold and mycotoxins, it interferes with a compound called um, alpha-MSH, which calms down inflammation throughout the body. And so you have a pro-inflammatory environment that uh, definitely, you know, is self-perpetuating. The other mycotoxins that you might see are verucarin A, and it's a trichothiene or trichothicine, and it's made from stachybotrys and fusarium. 
it's estimated that 50% of the buildings in America are um, water damaged buildings. You know, when you do the urine provocation test that we talked about, uh, like let's say we are testing you, I can't say that, you know, 40% of your mycotoxins came from your home and 40% came from your office. You know, it just tells us an overall picture of your body burden of mold is this. Yes. Again, I can't hammer this point home enough, but you don't have to see mold or smell it for it to be problematic. Um, I have two uh, very high level clients who have had a myriad of health problems. And at first they thought they were having a nervous breakdown or a mental breakdown. And it turned out, you know, there was mold, increased condensation behind the walls in their bedroom and office. You know, we can test the home. We can test the body. We talked about the test for that. Testing the home. um, There's various ways to do it. Uh, Air sampling is generally not that accurate unless there's simply massive quantities of mold. But the better testing companies are ones that will use a camera to look behind the walls. Maybe it's near your bathtub or shower. Maybe it's in your office where there might be increased condensation. Um, And you also want someone to test your ductwork and um, your HVAC system. And so having your HVAC system cleaned at least once, preferably twice a year, um, just for overall um, indoor air quality, but specifically reducing the mold count. Yeah. Let's talk about that for a second, because this, I think, is a really important thing that a lot of people don't realize, because there's a lot of ways that we can, you know, quote unquote, clean the HVAC system um, and the ducts. But I think every company uses different methods. Um, You know, sometimes it's done under pressure. Sometimes, you know, they use certain sanitizing agents, but a lot of those may contain chemicals that may not be good. So can you uh, tell everyone some of the things that they can ask the duct cleaning companies um, in terms of how they do it to see if there's the right method or more specifically, you know, what type of method to use? The best chemical, well, it's not really, I shouldn't say chemical, but best substance is uh, biodegradable enzymes. So they basically eat like a little molecular Pac-Man, the different mold toxins. (laughs) That's important because things like ozone It kills the mold, but it doesn't completely destroy it, meaning that dead mycotoxins are still very stimulating and annoying to our immune systems. And so you have to be careful on that. Then there's the structural component. So if your land um, is uh, slanted, Uh, such that, you know, rainwater uh, or other forms of condensation get underneath there, then uh, there's different structural changes that you can do. Uh, I've talked with building biologists and healthy building architects, and there are various things that they can change because what you don't want to happen is, let's say you find mold, you remediate it, and then it comes right back. But that's a good question about the HVAC unit. There's also differing opinions on a UV light at the beginning of the ductwork. Some people say yes. Some people say no. 
I tend to lean more towards no. Um, and the important thing for people to remember is that mold behaves very differently indoors than it does outdoors. And so you could take a trip to the Amazon and be perfectly fine. And the reason for that is just like in our guts, um, our microbiome needs to be very diverse. Well, in the Amazon, the species of mold, viruses, bacteria, etc., in the air, they balance each other out. But when you have just a handful of mold species that enter a home, there's no competition. And the energy efficiency that we have in our homes today comes at a cost. And that means that there's not a good exchange between indoor and outdoor air. Right. That's a really, really good point. Because um, I think people often think, oh, well, I'm okay outside or I'm not allergic to mold. But this is really different, being allergic to mold and actually having mycotoxins and that mold toxicity is very different. You know, and I think... It's also good for people to know that while mold can cause a lot of very serious issues, like you mentioned, liver damage and mitochondrial damage, sometimes it doesn't have to get to that point, but you can still experience a lot of health issues from respiratory stuff to low energy to autoimmunity to gut issues, like you mentioned. So you know, it doesn't have to be something so, so severe where it's actually damaging the organ, but it certainly can, can be creating issues and leading you on your way to that damage. Absolutely. So once people get their mycotoxin tests back and they see that they may have one or maybe several elevations, what are some of the things that they can do to remedy the situation? Depending on the mycotoxin, um, there's different binders that can be used. Examples are bioactive carbon, pectisol. I use one a lot called Takasimi Supreme which is from the bamboo tree. It looks like activated charcoal. And sometimes people will use a combination of those. Um, you know, you take the binders on an empty stomach away from food and supplements and meds, and that will help to start excreting the mycotoxins, assuming that you're having a bowel movement at least twice a day. What you don't want to do is use binders to bind the mycotoxins and then they just sit there because what that does is create an inflammatory reaction. Binders uh, is a major one and obviously, you know, getting out of the water damaged building until it's fixed is huge. Um, but also a substance that you and I talked about that's not really known for detoxification, but it certainly helps. And that's DIM, uh, diendol methane. Uh, we know it for helping with estrogen metabolism, but it also, uh, at the beginning, I mentioned that mycotoxins will block a pathway called NRF2. And that pathway is very important for detoxification enzymes and antioxidants. And so DIM lifts this block on our cells, on the mitochondria. Mm -hmm. Usually if someone's had buildup of mycotoxins for a while, they will also have quite a few stealth pathogens because their immune system has been suppressed. So checking for those, whether it's Epstein-Barr or mycoplasma or candida, that's, you know, going to be another 
component. And then one metabolite uh, that mycotoxins produce and candida produces, they're called oxalates. And oxalates can cause or contribute to kidney stones, but they can really disrupt cellular functioning um, down to the smallest level in the body. And uh, as long as they are elevated, you're going to feel bad. Ways to metabolize those, obviously you want to get rid of the mold of the body, but vitamin B1, thymine, and B6 uh, are two of the main B vitamins that help metabolize oxalates. And so we got the binders, we got the DIM for improved detoxification, um, and we also uh, talked about the oxalate uh, degrading um, vitamins. And then, you know, anything you can do to heat your body up, whether it's sauna, full spectrum, or far infrared, or a biomat, that's going to improve uh, systemic circulation and lymphatic flow. And, you know, the lymphatic system is where our immune system dumps all the garbage. Helping, from, helping your body from that standpoint is extremely helpful. Sometimes, you know, if people have had mold for, you know, maybe three years before they got the right diagnosis and they found out what the real problem is, they may have some brain, uh, like ongoing brain issues, cognitive issues. There are various supplements that you can use, um, obviously, omega-3 fatty acids, NAD, uh, form of vitamin B3, helps the mitochondria. And then there's some various peptides that are prescription, but uh, they can aid in improving um, and repairing the brain. Yeah, and that's so important because I think half the work is getting rid of the mold and dealing with the mycotoxins. And then the other half is the repair, you know, repairing the brain, repairing the mitochondria, and you know, really teaching the immune system what's right and what's wrong once it's gone. So that's a really good point. And I know that everyone is going to be obviously a little bit different, but how long does it typically take providing that someone that's a remediated the mold and they're back in their home and everything has been fixed and now they start with the binders, how long does it take for them to feel better and see uh, a decrease in the mycotoxins? Yeah. So, I mean, you can see uh, a decrease within, you know, probably a week to 10 days. You know, that's not going to be the end of the journey, but depending on their level of toxicity, that will determine, you know, how quickly they see results. And so, you know, like you said, assuming they remediated and they're back in their home and they're taking binders, if they're also doing things like the sauna, and maybe a rebounder for lymphatic uh, flow or dry skin brushing, and then supporting detoxification pathways, phase one, phase two, and phase three in the body. And so what that looks like is, number one, supplying all the B vitamins, vitamin C, glutathione, um, that one's huge, and making sure bile, uh, your bile salts 
in the intestinal tract that that level is optimal because if you don't have optimal bile, you can't detox. So, you know, uh, there's a digestive component to this as well as the lymphatic component and the neurological component. Yeah. And I think the bile is so important for this and so many things. And a lot of people unfortunately miss this, but your body's just going to recycle the bile. So you want to make sure that there's enough of it and the bile is flowing and it's not sludgy and thick um, because that can help with the detox of so many different things. That's a really great point. So assuming people are doing all of that, then um, what would you say the timing would be? You know, it depends on their age and how resilient they are and what their constitution was prior to, um, you know, getting mold toxicity. Uh, but, you know, you could be assuming that, you know, you find all the sources, whether it's home, work, school, and you eliminate or reduce those amounts. Um, the last, you know, usually barrier to healing is correcting these limbic loops. So, you know, none of what we do, whether it's with IVs, supplements, medications, or other therapeutic modalities, none of that matters if you don't feel safe in your environment. And people who've uh, had a chronic illness or something like mold toxicity, you know, they're constantly worrying, okay, is my environment safe or not safe? Is this stimulus relevant? Is it safe or not safe? And so, you know, we call those limbic loops you know, even once the stressor is gone, they keep self-perpetuating. And so there's a system called dynamic neural retraining systems, which I have no affiliation with, but uh, it's endorsed by the American Academy of Environmental Medicine. And it basically involves reprogramming your nervous system and getting it to a point that you feel safe so that everything else works better. And this is so important. You and I chatted a little bit about this offline before, and I think this is something that's so helpful for obviously anyone who's dealt with chronic issues that is wondering, like you say, if the environment is safe or if their body is doing what it's supposed to be doing, but also, you know, if anyone's had any kind of trauma, and I'm not talking about just big T trauma, but even little T trauma, which my goodness, we all have, right? So I think it's something that almost everyone can benefit from because there's just such a big effect on what happens in the way that we think and what we focus on with our health and our nervous system, you know, it, like you said, it has these um, loops really that form. And sometimes, you know, just saying to yourself, logically, I'm not going to think that way as much as that's good. That doesn't get into kind of the subconscious and the underneath of what the nervous system is doing. So that's a really great resource. I mean, I don't encourage this, but you know, let's say they are exposed to mold again if they've done the DNRS program or something similar, um, they won't respond as aggressively. Yeah, no, that's great. And uh, with that program, that's something that people can get online and do at home? Yeah, absolutely. You know, she has workshops, so you can go, well, they're probably all canceled now. But um, yeah, you can certainly do the course from home and start with that. Um, I think it's like 260 bucks. And you get all the DVDs and uh, workbook and her book. Um, her name's Annie Hopper. Um, so anything that you can do to put yourself uh, into more of a parasympathetic state, which uh, far infrared sauna does that. Deep breathing, 
There's some vagus nerve exercises like gargling, chewing gum, singing um, that can be of help as well. And sorry, just getting back to the timing of things. And again, I know it's hard to say because everyone is different, but if people are doing all of those things, what have you found in your experience? Is it something that takes, you know, say three months or six months or a year? What do you think the average would be? It's so hard to say and put a number on it because I've seen all the timelines that you mentioned. I've seen people get better in two months. I've seen it take a little over a year for some people. So, uh, again, it's going to depend on, you know, how committed you are to detoxifying, what you've done previously, like if you were already eating organic and, you know, detoxing a few times a year and exercising and your sleep hygiene was good, then you're going to see results a lot sooner. But if you're not doing those things, it's going to take more closely to a year. Okay. That's great to know. And I think the important thing here for everyone listening is that I know that this is a tough situation. And, you know, when people find out they have molds and they have mycotoxins, you know, it could feel very kind of isolating and depressing and frustrating, but there is a lot that you can do. And yes, it may take a little bit of time, but in the grand scheme of things, if you've had a chronic issue and you haven't been feeling well for a long time, a year, I know it sounds like a lot, but that's not that long. And throughout the course of that year, you know, typically people may feel a little bit worse initially, but oftentimes they're going to feel better and better. So it's not like it's going to take a full year to notice any changes. So I think that's really what I want people to take away from that. And the most important thing to know is that, you know, there's absolutely hope for this. Oh, definitely. There's definitely hope. I just don't like to tell people you're going to be better in two months and then two months uh, comes around and then not better, I get an angry phone call. Of course, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, whenever dealing with any chronic issue, it typically does take time. And like you said, it depends on someone's age and how committed they are and how well their body works. But I think that the more angles that we can look at from this, you know, like the, obviously the biochemistry, but also the mind-body and, um, you know, reworking the nervous system, you know, the more angles that we can approach it from, the better it's going to go and probably the quicker. And again, it's not about a fast fix or doing something, you know, too quickly, but it's a way to just optimize it if we do it from all angles. Absolutely. Well, this is great, Dr. Tim. Um, so, so much valuable information here, and it's going to help so many people to see if this is something that's an issue for them and give them you know, a little bit of a blueprint about what they can do so that they could find the right practitioner and they can ask the practitioner the right questions, just knowing that these are the tests that are needed and these are some of the protocols that are used. Um, Dr. Tim, for those that want to find um, or connect with you um, where can they see you? So www.healyourbody.org. So that's healyourbody.org. Awesome. Thank you so much. And I'm going to post all of this in the show notes as well. It was such a pleasure having you on again. Thank you again for all of this information. I so appreciate you being on. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for all the good work you're doing. As you just heard, Mold can play a huge role in our health, and it is important to look at it from all angles, both in your home or place of work, as well as its effect on your body. 
I'll tell you about what I did for Cassandra in just a second. But first, I want to thank Dr. Tim for being here. And if you guys want to contact or connect with him, all of his information, plus a very detailed summary of the episode is in the show notes, as always, healthmysterysolved.com, and that's under episode 64. As for Cassandra, we did a mycotoxin test, which showed she did in fact have mycotoxins, and an organic acid test, which showed that her mitochondrial function was decreased and that she had elevated levels of free radicals as well as yeast. It makes total sense as mold is a type of fungus, and it can often damage the mitochondria and create free radicals. No wonder she wasn't feeling well. Cassandra worked with a local mold expert to make sure the mold is properly remediated in her home. While doing that, I started her on the Ultra Binder by Quicksilver Scientific, along with the Biotox Binder by Cellcor. These binders work on absorbing all types of toxins, including mycotoxins. And since these two work a little bit differently, they sort of work in their own ways, I decided to use both to pack a bigger punch. Two weeks later, I added in Bitter X, also by Quicksilver, to help move her bile so that she doesn't reabsorb things. And then two weeks after that, we started an antifungal protocol with FC Cytol, oregano, garlic, and microgon, and we used those all in a rotational order. During this time, Cassandra was feeling up and down. She had some great days, but she also had some days where she was pretty tired and just sort of out of it. I assured her that this is not abnormal, especially during this phase where we're cleansing out the fungus. I explained that what she was experiencing were some detox reactions, which are fairly common, but thankfully with the bitters and binders that were not that bothersome and she was able to hang in there. I always tell people that while we never want to go backwards, we can sometimes feel a bit worse when we cleanse before we feel better. It's sort of like a necessary evil in a way. If needed, we can always lower the dose of the cleansing agents because I never want people to feel too bad or put too much stress on their body with the cleansing process. So it's just about finding the right dose for each person and having the right binders in place to make it as easy as possible. But it's always better out than in, which is what I say. As we continued cleansing, the bad days were lessened and she started having many, many more good days. We did the cleanse for eight weeks, at which point she was feeling about 50% better. Then we were ready for the rebuilding stage. I gave Cassandra a product called Mitochondrial Energy. It's one of my favorites to help to support the mitochondria, high dose vitamin C, and molecular hydrogen to help repair and also increase her antioxidants to fight the free radicals. After a month on these, Cassandra's energy got even better and the brain fog was hardly noticeable. She stayed on this protocol for six months and by the end, she was feeling so much better. She was not only able to go back to her regular activities, she was able to do much more than she can even remember before. She was able to sustain better endurance with her workouts, had much better memory, concentration, and focus, and just really felt very clear-headed as she describes it. She and I were both, of course, thrilled. If Cassandra sounds like someone you know, please share this episode with them and make sure you subscribe to the show because the next health mystery I uncover could be one you or someone you love is dealing with right now. When it comes to solving your health issues, please don't give up. The answers are out there and there is hope. I'm Ina Toppler. Thank you so much for listening and see you next week on Health Mysteries Solved.
All information, content, and material on this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified physician or healthcare provider.